0: human on this earth plane, I am so grateful that you are here. Just wanted to take a second and say, if you click like or hit subscribe, it helps this podcast continue. I want you to live the fullest expression of your experience in life, and you can find so much more by visiting bufindhappy.com. There you'll find Empowered, my motivational journal for women, links to all of the various books, and so much more. Thank you for being you. Whitney, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. I know I say this to all of my guests, but all of my guests are just so amazing. Um, you know, you've got so many uh, just accolades, incredible accolades, um, you know, involving Stanford University and a master's degree. And you've written books about being a mama mindset thought leader. Um, and now you've got a new one, The New Baby Blueprint. We're going to talk about all these things today. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got into what you're doing? Yes, thank you so much for having me, and um, you're right. there is There are a lot of uh, credentials behind my name and a lot of years of school, but I think most importantly, it's my patients and my kids who have taught me the biggest lessons of my life, and given me the insight that I've used to help other moms, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, and you're right that I have two books uh, with the American Academy of Pediatrics. One is The New Baby Blueprint, which came out a couple years ago. And then the newest one is called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. And that book is all about how to support working moms on their, journey and trying to really help moms to get past just surviving in motherhood and move much more toward thriving. And the reason I'm so passionate about this topic is because for a long time I felt, even though I was a Stanford trained pediatrician and had all the book knowledge and should have potentially been able to do it, like I was just surviving for a very, very long time in in motherhood. Um, I had a daughter who has a severe anxiety disorder, obviously did not know that when she was a baby, but, um, she just, she just was difficult in the beginning and she didn't hardly sleep for more than 45 minutes at a time. She was all kinds of colicky as she grew older. She had all of these emotional dysregulation moments and, I was a pediatrician still in my workplace, trying to really lean in hard to my career and wanting to and feeling like that was important to me as well, but then also had this kiddo at home who had this well of need that it seemed like never ran dry, and I found myself at this spot where I felt like I was just burning the candle at both ends constantly, and I was stretched really thin, and that even though i could juggle it all and on the surface if you looked at my checklist all of the boxes had little cookie marks in them they were all checked off that inside i felt like i had this constant state of kind of inner conflict and um and so i wanted to be able to change that for myself and also for other moms out there you know you're talking to the right audience just to start because this podcast is primarily female and um we can take it a little deeper and say it's a lot of moms and I think you know especially on the heels of like for me I had to switch my entire life um and I totally embraced it and I'm grateful for the opportunity but you know my son was in a public school and (laughs) and after kind of the experience of all that was I opted to homeschool him and that is what we do now and I'm You know, still settling into that even a little bit as far as, uh, you know, I still have a checklist of things that I do have to get done on a daily basis. I mean, even if I were to strip away, you know, any sense of self-identity, which is definitely not a good idea, I still have the household chores and the bills to pay and, you know, all of that stuff. But then on top of it, you know, uh, my husband and I own a business. I have a psychotherapy practice. I'm an author who's constantly working on that. Plus, you know, so it's just one of those things where, you know, it's a constant juggle of the mom guilt arena of like, did I show up enough today? Did I do enough today? Was I present enough today? And I find myself pulling back or streamlining a lot of things like social media and stuff like that to create more space for that. I make sure that We get the bulk of um, what we need to do together done in the early morning because we're both just more fresh. Um, And I feel like we have each other's undivided attention. As the day goes on, I get distracted with phone calls or with whatever. So, I mean, I feel like I'm settling into it, but I also feel like this is just like a forever journey while they're little. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I tell everybody – I'm a pediatrician at my core. I'm a like taking care of kids at my core person. And so my lens is always, okay, if moms thrive, actually, then kids thrive. And as opposed to kind of the opposite way that I think I thought about it for a long time of like, I first need to focus on my kids thriving, and then I can kind of take care of myself. But I gotta like push into that first. And what you're talking about, this idea of streamlining Really is important, kind of this productive, this productivity and efficiency lens. And there are tons of experts that are out there to talk about how do we make things more efficient for ourselves. pediatrician, first and foremost, I spend my day with kids and their parents. And so I'm always thinking about this idea of helping kids thrive. And I think that for a long time, I thought, even in my own personal life, and as I, as I, counseled parents, you know, first focus on the kids thriving and then kind of parents secondarily. And that perspective has shifted for me completely where now I have this deeper understanding that when parents thrive first and focus on that first, there is a ripple effect that goes out to their kids. And I think that the American Academy of Pediatrics is really starting to come to grips with that as well. And that's why they wanted to write this book and the evidence out there in the literature supports that 100 fold that creating systems and organizational tools but also going beyond that which I'll talk about in a second that that that's so important because when we're in a good spot as parents then our kids a see that in terms of our role modeling but b can feel that reduced stress that we have and then they they start to be less stressed as well and you were talking about efficiency and productivity. And I think that there are a lot of experts out there that talk about how to streamline your schedule, about how to make your work life more effective when you have 20 minutes to get things done, you know, not multitasking, single tasking. And I write about that in the book because I think that's an important piece for human beings, but for moms, especially working moms. But I also found that I had to go a little bit bigger. So I think of that as one part of all the things that we have to get done. But the other parts that I want moms to make sure they're paying attention to and attuning to are, okay, what are the things that are actually swappable that you don't actually need to be the one to get it done? Maybe if you have a partner that you parent with, that they're the ones that take it on. If you have kids that are old enough, that they're the ones that take on some chores. Even if you're a single parent Who else in kind of your mommy village could be doing things for you that aren't necessarily, shouldn't necessarily be on your plate? And then also what are the contaminators that we're doing in our life that fill up a lot of our time, but that we're saying yes to them because we don't have anything more important or more concrete that we're saying yes to in our life. So for example, this is like the fifth work committee that my boss asked me to be a part of, right? He wants me to be on, on the social planning committee. And that would have worked just fine if I didn't have kids and a book and other things that I was interested in doing. But I know that when I say no to being on that committee, I can say yes more fully to taking care of my patients in the room and to focusing on them and to having more bandwidth for my own personal endeavors. And then finally kind of these heartstrings. So how do we fit in our larger family, our extended family into our lives or our friends that need our attention, social obligations? For example, with my daughter who has this anxiety disorder, we're planning a trip for next year with my in-laws and it would have been easiest for us to all arrive on the same plane to our destination and to be together there. But I know that for my family, I need us to arrive a good 24 hours ahead of everybody else so that my daughter can settle in so that I can be relaxed and so that we have a great time with my in-laws. And so kind of setting those boundaries around what works for you. And I would say kind of the thing that holds all that together for me and in the system I created in, within this book is understanding what are the things that are actually the most important to me? Where do I want to place my time and energy? And one way I think about this is when I look back when I'm 80 years old at my life, will I have lived according to my priorities? Will my life have been in alignment? with what I cared about the most. And and so this book, I think, does a nice job of pushing kind of all of those things, those non-negotiables that we have to streamline, the swappables, the contaminators, the heartstrings, kind of further out to the edges, and then putting things like mission-focused work, relationship with our kids, taking care of our mental and physical health a little bit closer to the center of who we are. I I like what you say. I have a lot of clients that get stuck in this place of saying yes to everything all the time. Um, I know a lot of people that do that. It's like, Oh, can you jump on this call or could you jump on in this meeting? Or could we do a recap or especially now with like the zooms and stuff, it's like, everybody has to be on demand all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even
0: like, could you pick up my kid on Friday? You know, that sort of thing. And, um, I find that my clients in particular, they feel guilty saying no, um, and so they end up just saying yes, and or they say, oh, I'm sorry, but. So I've been working with them on saying, you know, I'm going to have to look at my schedule and get back to you on that, because I think when we create space between the ask and the no, it's a little bit easier to do the no. Like, you know what I mean? When, when we take a minute to, to, to kind of say, you know, um, I I need to look at my schedule. I need to, and and then when there's a little more distance, it's like not that pressure in the moment to be like, yes, sure. Okay. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to truly check your schedule. Like think about your life. Is this really going to fit in this evening when you're trying to get your kid ready for baseball practice and get them, everybody fed and, you know, or whatever. Um, so yeah and then yes, the other thing is coming back and saying, When you know you don't have to say cold hard no um you can say that's not that's not going to fit into my schedule at this time, but thank you for understanding and it's not apologizing and it's not an outrighted rude no it's graceful um and it's really also not counterable you know i I feel like if you just come back and say, uh no, I can't people people have a tendency to say, well, why not? Is or, or negotiate, you know, would this other time work? Or how about that? Where if you just say, Hey, I looked at the schedule, it's chock full. Thanks for understanding. It kind of shuts down that negotiation too. Yeah, No, I love that. I think that's great in terms of the way that you're thinking about phrasing it or that you're advising your clients to phrase it. And my, I'm in total agreement with you about this pause, basically, that it sounds like you're creating when you look at your schedule and I would say probably what's happening is an inner audit, you know, this kind of like graceful, kind inner audit to yourself to say, okay, will this work for me? Will it not? Will that create more stress? Will it actually help me to alleviate stress? Cause I'll get it off my plate. I won't have to be thinking about it all day long. So I I think absolutely inner audits either prospectively, you know, looking at it and saying, "Will this work for me and, or I spend a lot of time looking at how did yesterday go or how did last week go? And gosh, why did I feel so stressed out, stretched too thin last week? What could I potentially do differently tomorrow, next month, next week, so that then I don't need to feel that way in the coming days? Because we're always all learning. And we are, and I think, you know, it drives me nuts when people say, people never change. I'm like, literally, you are changing every day. Like, for example, your hair just grew (laughs) (laughs) while you were actually (laughs) saying that sentence, like you changed, you know, like we're all changing in these little tiny microscopic ways that become much larger um, from the experiences that we're having in microscopic moments. Like, this is absolutely happening, and there's always the now, too, to 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 switch to change trajectory to pivot to do something different you know yes for sure and the thing is in terms of the mom guilt that a lot of a lot of women face the mom guilt it's not a bad thing to have data that comes in that says i'm feeling kind of off about the situation or i have this like pull at my heart from my kids you know um, as long as we take it in as data as opposed right. to as solid truth, because the way that our brain is interpreting whatever our kids are doing, what someone else is saying to us is completely different from what's actually happening. You know, um, you're not yeah. wrong. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's like, okay, let's take it in as what it is, which is information, process the information, and then glean what we want from that experience, rather than saying like, Oh, you know, this is my, my whole truth. This is my whole defining moment. (laughs) Right. I mean, when the teacher sends out an email that says, listen, everybody needs to contribute to the bake sale. Yeah, I'm making this up, but you know, everybody needs (laughs) to contribute to the bake sale. Please provide, you know, homemade cookies for your kid. This is a special moment. They're only in kindergarten once. You get to decide how that lands for you. Um, that could land as I'm a bad mom because actually I work eight to six and. You know, we're going to go to down to the Safeway and grab some. Um, if we're lucky today, I'll have somebody else do it, have them deliver it. Um, or, you know, man, I am, um, I, I am a really bad mom because I can't contribute. Like you get to choose. Does this say about you that you're a bad mom or does this say actually there's an opportunity here? Or that this actually doesn't really matter. This person thinks that this act or that this moment matters. But I know for me and my kid that what matters more is that later tonight I'm cuddling up on the couch with them reading a book. Right? So we get to yeah. decide when people bring that, that information to us what we're going to do with it. I, I also liked on, uh, something that you touched on a little bit, which is, you know, if you're – I think this, this works for me. If I'm having a spirally day where I feel like I fell short in some ways – Like, there is nothing better than saying, do you want to play a game of chess? Do you want to play a game of sorry? Or grab a picture book. I'll read you a picture book. And I don't care what age kids are. You're never too old for a picture book. (laughs) Um, You know, so, (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I think that, like, that's kind of that there's no better time than the now to do what feels better in your belly, you know? Yeah, yeah yeah what feels better in your belly and I think when it comes to taking care of ourselves too it's funny I just read an article called how listening to Justin Bieber makes me a better mom um (laughs) (laughs) because, because when I kind of go back to my college days to my late 1990s high school days and I'm aging myself but um and, and I think about what are those really feel good moments that I had, you know, at a high school dance or writing with my friends in the car, it comes back to pretty simple things like listening to music that I could bop to or, you know, singing at the top of my lungs or being at a concert or dancing around or whatever. And so it, it's true that we can actually recreate those moments for ourselves individually. And it literally takes four minutes in the shower to like listen to an amazing song or in the car before you pull up to your house and or with your kids, you know, to have these like fun moments that are about um you just reconnecting to yourself and remembering what it feels like to, to feel good deep inside you. Um Also, I love that. Uh, Justin Fever, my mama don't like <laughs> you. Yes! I say that oh, one all professor. the time. <laughs> I know sometimes yeah, it's they're... so funny though because my, my son is sitting in the back seat, you know, he's just shaking his head like, no, please, please no, mom. <laughs> I know my kids are finally getting to that age where they're starting to be embarrassed by me and I kind of love it. I, <laughs> right? Like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> there is something fun about that. I mean, I, so this happened for the first time this school year. So one day a week he goes to this little program to, you know, socialization and all the things kids need Mm -hmm. from nine to two. And, um, he recently started having like a little crush on a girl there. And anyway, that's not important. What's important is that I had pulled up to the school in the morning and, you know, he went to hop out and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Mommy needs a kiss. And he's like, mom. And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm not ready for this. Like I was so not ready. It was like, no, 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 no. Never too old for a kiss for mom. Sorry. Don't care. (laughs) But no, Um, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's funny because truly like prior to my son, I mean, I was always a hug person and stuff like that, but I did not realize the immensity of, the cuddle factor that I had within me until I became a mom. Mm. Like, it's crazy. I, I mean, how much I feel like, you know, even when he's upset, it's just so natural for me to just, you know, hold him tight. Like, that's just what I want to do. And it just feels right. Yeah, and well, there's something too about just, I think, that presence, that mindfulness that comes when you're physically connected to someone in that way. I mean, I'm always noticing when I'm giving my littlest one a little hug, like, oh my gosh, your little hands, they'll only be little this long, or like the the smell of your breath, or like the rhythm of your breathing, and And I always am reminding moms like that is a form of mindfulness and of self care as well. It's just like having a moment with your kiddo that is in physical, in physical connection. So no, I I think that's super important. And, um, what I was going to say too, piggybacking on, on what you said about kind of giving this hug goodbye and like mommy needs a kiss before you go and him being embarrassed that both of my kids, I'm pretty verbally affectionate with them, so I am always trying to look for strengths, right? Like strength-based parenting, which is absolutely evidence-based way of of thinking about our kids and of noticing when they're doing well. Um, so that when we need to give them some constructive criticism, it's not all that they're hearing. And um, and so I'll I'll tell both my daughters, you know, I have just been noticing that you are becoming a kiddo who is able to figure things out on your own when they do something really small, like they're able to go find their shoes from upstairs and bring them down as opposed to me helping. And they go, oh, mom, I'm so tired of you telling me that. And for a while, I kind of backed off because I thought, well, I don't want to annoy them. But I've decided that, I have to be persistent with it. I mean, not to the point where they start yelling at me, but that I have to keep going with those affirmations that are about them trying, about them building resilience. And that I just tell them, oh, I know. Parents are so embarrassing. I'm just so like overly telling you, but I can't help myself. Yeah, I just, yeah just play with yeah. it. And that's the same as those kisses. Your, your son needs those kisses still. Absolutely. And I think that like, being embarrassing is a rite of passage as a parent and also is an important part of childhood development. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like having that experience is an important part of it, but also, um, Oh, I just lost it. But there was something else that you were saying, um, about resiliency that I was thinking about. Oh, you know, and in just in general, I really feel like as a society, uh, we haven't had to work as hard to live, Uh, you know, like even just we go to the grocery store and there's a plethora of food to choose from where, you know, my, my son and I, well, my husband, son, and I, we have a huge garden um, and my son's gotten to experience all the work that goes into a tomato, you know, a single tomato. And I think that This is something that, in general, kids are lacking um, because it's such an instant gratification society, and that I think, as a parent, if you can incorporate ways to allow them to have to struggle to see what it takes to get something, that that's actually better, because we don't really naturally have that anymore. We don't, you know, we go, you know, if the car needs gas, we go to the gas station. If, you know, if we... If we want pancakes, we don't have to go, you know, milk the cow and grab the eggs from the hen house kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. For sure. Actually, I mean, it's crazy. All of the books that we all read about how to be good parents and how to help our kids be the 35 year olds that we hope that they'll be right. But when it comes down to it, I mean, the studies show that simple things like having our kids be contributors in our households um, growing a garden, being part of food prep, builds that community, builds that sense of being needed, of being accountable, of being on a team. I mean, that's why we all love to cheer for our sports teams. It's because we feel like we're part of something and our kids need that too. And in fact, you know, if you're parenting with a partner, um, I I put a whole section in the book about how to build equity with partners, um, based off of um, what couple therapists really talk about because we know that there's this idea of maternal gatekeeping not for every single mom out there but for a lot of moms just biologically right what happens when your baby's born and your partner goes to give him a bath and you're like hovering over them going don't drown the baby <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, what happens that partner backs up and goes okay you do it you know my goodness And um, and then what happens? Then your skill level gets really high. You start to become really adept at uh, caring for this little slippery being in the water. And your partner becomes less adept at it. And so, of course, less willing to jump in. And same thing with our kids. If we give them opportunities to be invested and involved in the goings-on of our house, that takes the pressure off of us. But B, it teaches them, yes, the value of hard work that things don't just like money doesn't fall off of trees, food doesn't, you know, we, we, it takes someone picking actually the fruit off of the tree to get it to our house um, and gives them that sense of camaraderie and of belonging. Um, I've talked about this in this podcast before, but one of the things that was funny is when I was first, um, you know, doing my psychotherapy practice, my son was just born. And I remember I was teaching a love and logic class and I had come home and told my husband, you know, it's really important that we give our son choices, um, so that he can feel, you know, empowered to make decisions for himself and, and recognize the consequences. And so (laughs) fast forward a little bit and I come home and, um, he said, Hey, I did what you said. I, uh, cause I had a late night. I was working till seven that night or something. And he said, I gave, t- I gave Tucker a choice between brushing his teeth or taking a bath. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> okay. I was like, good job, babe. Next time. Maybe like, would you like to brush your teeth before or after you take a bath? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You gotta do both of these things. <laughs> <laughs> but you can choose what you do first. <laughs> yeah, you can choose what you do first. And you know, I think the other thing that's happened with COVID is sometimes we have had to say, you know, to parents, I've been saying to parents up until just now when things have started to get a lot lighter and we see some light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, you know, my goodness, if you are feeling so anxious, you're feeling so distraught, you're feeling so overwhelmed that you know the choice is either you're being frustrated with your kids, you're flipping out at them, you're snapping at them, you're not able to actually, like, respond to them versus react to them, or you're letting them watch, like, television for a little bit longer these days because there's not much else for them to do. Like, speaking of say what's there to say yes to, right? Then, like, that is a choice that's probably okay in this moment. Now, there comes a time couple weeks ago for my family, right? Four weeks ago where we said, okay, guys, we're going to detox off of this. The parks are open. There's ability to have some distance playdates. You know, you're, you're able to have some more activities during the day. No more screens. You know, we're going back to our one day a night, your one night a week screen time and our family movie nights on Friday night but for a while i found that for a lot of my parents what they needed me to say to them is there is a season for everything and this is a season for grace and for letting things go to a certain degree don't let your kids watch violent shows and you know be sitting there as zombies all day long but to have some grace for yourself and then mm-hmm. when you have more bandwidth that is the time to kind of get some more structure back into into your life and mm-hmm. and i think that that it's just this concept of like, you got to go back to the basics first, as opposed to starting with the structure. <laughs> I love that. And I also, you know, I um, the book Wintering and just the concept that sometimes, you know, it's okay to, to, to slow down and shut out and not be able to process a lot. Like we learn the most from those moments than anything else, you know? Yes, yes. Like it's okay not to be okay. And the book I talk about, this very well-meaning administrator that we have at my office. And she knows I talk about this, so it's no big deal. But she, we were in a team meeting at the beginning of COVID, and she goes, you know, it's really important, you guys, that when patients come in and their families come in, that we're just uber positive because they are looking to us to set the tone for how they will be with their families. And our psychologist, uh, on our team, we have four psychologists, our lead psychologist stepped in and goes, you know, uh, well, how about this? How about we meet parents where they are and just know that sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Maybe we need to give them that message. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that so much more. And, and, you know, it's true. And, 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 um, as a psychotherapist, this is a big part of what I do is really, you know, sometimes a client walks in and they're in a good space and they're ready for me to have kind of that more blunt conversation. And sometimes it's like, no, they they just need to be held right now. Not, not physically, yeah. but emotionally, yeah, no, you, know, <laughs> yes. you know, they, they need to be able to sit and be, and not, and not have that input. So it's real. So I think that this is true for parenting too. If you Mm -hmm. can get into your intuitive gut a little bit and less in your head, you'll know what your child needs in the moment. It was so cute. My son, when he was little, he get frustrated about something. We put this little chair in his room. He get frustrated about something and he would say, I'm taking a timeout for myself. (laughs) 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 <laughs> he'd go <in> his room <laughs> and he'd plop his butt down on his chair. And I never said anything to him. You know, like I, he would tell him he had to take a time out. Nothing like he knew, like, yeah, yep. Either a I screwed up and I need a minute or B I'm about to get really angry. And I gotta go. And that yeah. was fine, you know? And when he was an infant, um, one of the best piece of pieces of advice that I got is to try to fight a screaming infant does no good to you or the child. And um, I I forget, I think it was one of the birthing classes I'd done or something like that. And she said, the very best thing you can do is put your child in a safe place, you know, their crib or whatever you've got set up for them. And so literally, you know, when we, when he'd get to that point, I would, as, and when he was a tiny infant and I would feel myself kind of (gasps) like, I would literally just carry him to his crib, set him down, walk out, and shut the door. And and she and and this part, she I think it was the birthing class, and she said, um, and you know, not notwithstanding Sids of course, but no child has ever right. died from crying. You know, like you, yeah. you you can leave them in their room for a moment in their safe place you've created for them, and they're going to be fine, and they're going to learn how to self soothe and all of that. And I did that, and I. I would shut the door, and I would go, and I would, you know, go do something. I would empty the dishwasher, or I would just sit on the couch for a minute. And um, and I think that helped him learn, hey, mom's not always going to rescue and save you when you've got a crisis. Like, you're going to have to figure this out a little bit, because sometimes the mom's not available, <laughs> Like, you know. Yeah. Well, and it probably prevented you from doing something that you wouldn't be proud of later on, you know. Right. I mean <laughs> – my gosh, yeah. I know as someone who struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety myself that, that there were moments that my husband looked at me and said, like, are you going to shake this child? Like, you are so mm-hmm. upset right now. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is go take a break. Yeah. And that, and it didn't matter that I had all the training of being a pediatrician in that moment. That was just well, my, the, and the funny thing is, if, if anybody else in life was screaming at you like that, like, <laughs> bloody murder yeah. you would be like fork you I'm out <laughs> you wouldn't yes. like but as parents we don't do you know like that's where I think it's important to know you can't do that put him in his name and walk away and 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 this is true I think for not just infancy I mean it's I, it's true for all ages you know there are times where I look at my son I, I just literally look at him and go nah nah <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing this right now. I can't do this. So you, you're going to have to take that somewhere else. You know, like it's just a very simple boundary for mom. Boop. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Yeah. Or that, that as a mom that, that you model, I mean, I I, I do this, like model taking a time out for myself. My kids, the best way to get my kids to stop a uh, aggressive behavior, a behavior that is just like not okay with me. It's generally speaking, unless there's like phys- a chance of physical violence between the two of them, is for me to say, to narrate out loud, I am feeling very frustrated. I don't want to do anything that in the end I'll regret, either say anything or do anything that I'll regret. So I'm going to take a moment by myself. I need space. I will come out when I'm ready. I love you. You know what I mean? And then like- I love that. And it plays into the fact that It's an instant gratification world. We text someone, we expect a response right away. We comment on something, we expect them to comment right back. And I actually recently shared on my Instagram, it's like, I'm going to take a minute and reply when I'm ready. And in doing so, I honor you and I honor myself. Yes. Yes. We need to be still more than we are. <laughs> yeah. And how do you be still, you know, you practice um knowing yourself and trusting yourself in those small five minute increments and by deciding that you're worth um, you're worth time during the week to, to reconnect with yourself. Um, and it does have to be some major expensive mani-pedi spa day, right? That it can be as simple as you're having a zoom chat with a friend at the end of the day, or you're sitting, reading a book or you go on a walk in your neighborhood, right? Um, so, and everybody has different, different ways that they regroup or that they re-energize. My husband's a very social being, His way of actually having self-care would be to go hang out with a huge group of people, which is why COVID has been extremely difficult for him, versus me, (laughs) who like would love to be just with one person at a time or sitting by myself. So everybody has their own ways that they reconnect to that uh, Justin Bieber college version of themselves. (laughs) Love it. Whitney, how can people get a hold of you? I hang out on the gram. I'm at Modern Mommy Doc. And then you can also find me on my website, ModernMommyDoc.com, and the book, The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself, is available everywhere that books are sold online and in bookstores. Listen, guys, if you really loved this episode, Whitney has a podcast too, so if you want to hear more about how to mom and live your best life, check it out. And Whitney, what is the name of that podcast again? Yep. The podcast is called the modern mommy doc podcast, and you can find it on Apple iTunes. You can find it everywhere. And as always, we include this information in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on and chatting all things mamahood, and we'll chat soon. Thank you. This has been a BU find happy podcast for more inspiration. Check out the links.